0: When is a TT not a TT? When it's a TTS and comes with a lot of extra stuff like horsepower. And here's a quick look at the new Picanto unveiled in Geneva. Blister bumps and bubbles. Is this the future for all Citroens? And is this the spiritual and realistic successor to E30? More realistically, do we like Logan's Stepway? And in a week where German prosecutors searched offices in two of Audi's premises, in the ongoing investigation into diesel emissions cheating and Mercedes announced the recall of about a million cars worldwide because of a faulty starter with a potential to burst into flames, we report that politicians everywhere are doing their best to use motorists as a stealth tax to bolster the national coffers. Spy cameras in UK bus lanes which hand out automatic fines to unwary motorists brought in a staggering £31 million last year against a backdrop of complaints about illegal signage and insufficient lighting which have seen some motorists able to claim a refund although most just shrug and pay up. And in almost every country in Europe, politicians have greeted the news that diesel is the new tobacco by doing exactly the same as they did with cigarettes. Now we know it kills you, we shall make you pay more for the privilege. Tax breaks on diesel cars were introduced to persuade drivers to buy more diesel cars. We all did, and now we've got them, we can expect the tax breaks to vanish. Worse still, congestion charges applied to diesels are beginning to rise and that will only be the beginning. They'll get higher or this isn't Auto Mondial. And when they do, politicians will remind you that it's for your own good. Challenged by the BBC on this very point that it was once government policy to promote diesel usage, MP Mary Craig, who chairs, the Common Environmental Audit Committee, told the interviewer that we didn't know Volkswagen was cheating then, which of course has nothing to do with the fact that all diesels are responsible for the emission of nitrogen dioxide and other particles, which are too small to be trapped by exhaust filters and contribute to an estimated 25,000 deaths every year. In the UK's largest cities. This is not news to anyone paying attention, a group which ought to include government ministers and the committees set up to review their effort. But the attitude is hardly likely to be confined to the UK and the message is clear. You diesel drivers have been getting away with cheaper motoring than everybody else and now it's time to pay. And here's more of the same. As tax breaks for hybrid and low-emissions vehicles encourage more and more drivers to choose Prius and co because of low running costs, the government has announced its generosity will end this year and everything except a pure EV like Nissan's LEAF will now have to pay vehicle excise duty, a taxation regime known as... Now it is popular, let's tax it till the pips squeak. When you start a presentation with the words it's dawn on the Riviera and your client doesn't laugh, you're on holiday for a few days at least. Everyone in advertising knows that, no matter what the product. But with some things, you don't really have any choice except to go somewhere sunny for the shoot And cars like this are a classic example. Cars like this are made for the sunny weather and nobody in their right mind would start the presentation for this by suggesting it's dawn in Manchester, even though UK buyers still snap up an unusually high number of convertibles considering how rubbish the weather is. For the most part, we disdain the four-seater roof chops, or at least we're baffled by them. But when it comes to cars this size, we're pretty much back to basics. Except this is Audi, and there's no such word as basic in the spec sheet. Although the coupe still looks better than the soft top, you've got to face the fact that nobody does detailing like Audi, and it's the same on both cars until the roof goes up. At which point... There now, isn't that better? And isn't this luscious? Unless you're willing to part with a huge amount of money for an upmarket product, then nobody does interiors as lovely as this. And here inside too, no one does detailing like Audi. And there's more. Four-wheel drive and turbos go together with Audi like Stig and Blomquist and we pretty much all know what sort of day out we're going to get from a two-litre with all but 300 horsepower and the kind of confidence you get with all-wheel drive. The problem we still have with all of this is that there's a limit to the amount of time you can spend a whizzing about the place, putting your roof up and down, just to prove you can do it at 30 miles an hour or whatever, or because the weather in the mountains overlooking Monaco or Genoa or wherever you happen to be showing off is getting a bit cloudy. The Targa Top. Was invented for places like the west coast of the usa where you can stash it in the garage in april and leave it there till october at least weatherwise anyway but even that involves a lot of heavyweight stiffening something like this with motors and mechanisms and so on as well as stiffening it all makes for a lot more weight, and, of course, it never quite compensates for the loss of rigidity, either. So you're always aware of the compromise. Some of us will... will either not notice that so much, or maybe just not mind it at all, and that's fine. Although it does have the grip and tenacity of four-wheel drive, we have heard more than a few voices misering about the lack of total involvement from the driver's seat. But we would yes, that's not a real problem for this ever-so-cute-looking ragtop. But price is... Audi might be right in believing that anything this smart should be pitched right up the top of the segment but this one now costs more than its major rival, the benchmark. That is Bobster. Still the genius driving machine it always was, it rules this market with an iron fist. Okay, it may not be wrapped up in quite such lovely velvet as the TTS, but if you're buying a convertible sports car in a quest for the purest driving pleasure that's available for less than 100 grand, and that includes 911, then Boxster is still the name of the only game in town. As you may know, it's harder to say everything there is to be said if you do it with a tweet of 140 characters than if you write a whole page or even a book. So you have to leave a lot out. But when you have to cram in as much as possible, then clever packaging is the key. It's the problem faced by designers of all small cars. And given that they're working to similar dimensions and requirements and increasing amounts of legislative demands as well, it's unsurprising to see that there's often very little to choose between them. Standing out in a crowd is never easy. Possibly the biggest restriction of all is price. It's easier to get big profits from big cars but much harder to find any markup at all in cars that only cost a bit more than eight grand and have to have a lot of features in order to attract buyers. Good looks help and Picanto was already batting above average in this department. And a new one changes the game, still a looker and bigger inside, with wheels pushed out to the corners of a car that's the same length of the existing model. And to go with the extra space that brings, including what Kia says is now the biggest luggage space in the class, there's a posh new interior and a full complement of the connectivity tech that city dwellers all need. It's well beyond the like stage now, as well as a range of options that make it more customizable. We'll drive it soon, but to be honest, it matters less in this class than some others, especially when all the other boxes have already been ticked. We should have known better. When we saw that cactus concept in Paris a few years back, we stifled a smug smile and kept on going. It'll never get off the ground, we thought knowingly. But this was Citroen, wasn't it? The same company that not only built the 2CV, but was overwhelmed by its success. 40 years and 4 million sales in round numbers. And that was hardly a good looking thing at all, was it? So we should have known that not only was Cactus going to fly but it would become Citroën's preferred design language going forward. And now here we are in Geneva looking at the next step along that road. The C Aircross is the first look at the car that will replace the C3 Picasso. MPVs are dead, long live the SUV, especially SUVs with lumps and bubbles and plasticky bits stuck on. People like it though, obviously enough, this lumpy design look, and maybe Citroen has got something going on here. Putting a friendly face on a family SUV that will be determinedly front-wheel drive and have no real off-road ambitions worth speaking of it's likely to be along quite soon is this and in the light of recent developments on the merger front there's a good chance it can share some components with the baby opal crossland which was unveiled at the same show looking a lot more conventional than this does cancel out the suicide rear doors if only because of cost and cancel out a lot of clever clogged stuff inside as well if only because We aren't quite ready for interiors at minimal yet, but otherwise this looks good to go. And unsurprisingly, expect it to be called Aircross when it goes on sale in the autumn. It's not pretty, really, is it? Functionally dramatic, yes. Eye-catching, that too. The Audi TT we looked at before was gorgeous in every detail. The latest Cayman is a sharp-looking thing as well. This looks like it's here to do a job of work, though. And it looks like everything on it really does work. BMW still can't really do rear ends nicely, though, but they seem to have got the alphabet pretty much off pat. the M part of it, anyway. And though it's still not as luscious and tactile and just outright stylish as the TT interior, we also still defy anyone to find a fault with anything in here. If all you want is an unbreakable interior forged from a steel block, covered in leather and carbon fiber and telling you everything you need to know with no effort required, this is the one. And it'll keep you in your place when you decide that now is the time. And this is the place, quite obviously. You can't try this at home unless you want to appear on a great many police reality shows. But there's always a temptation among drivers to go showboating rather than to push the chassis into doing its best work. With enough horsepower and enough space, any teenager can drift a car, so it's hardly a sign of tremendous finesse. Let's accept that it is a sign that the straight six and its twin-scroll turbo arrangement is indeed letting the power through in a satisfyingly aggressive manner, and that the stability control can be dialled out. It's never a good thing to have two people driving the same car, especially if one of them is a computer. The other thing we can deduce from a safe distance is that the chassis itself is in rather good shape. It's a lot different to similar predecessors and a lot firmer as a result. This is a good thing, as any fool know, and it means that you can do this sort of thing with a lot more conviction because you know what's happening at each of the wheels. That servitronic steering's never going to be as intuitively informative as hydraulic was, but no-one who hasn't grown up with the real deal will miss it and probably won't even comment anymore. As it is, you can choose the way you take corners in private, left to its own devices. The marginally nose-heavy weighting helps in pushing it gently into corners as corner speeds increase, which is what most drivers prefer in a road-going situation. But it does have this other half of its character, and with all the nannies off and the driver properly committed, it will do pretty much whatever you like, when you like, but not when you don't. So we're going to say this about the M2. It's beyond any doubt a proper rival to the Audi TTS and to the Porsche Cayman, in that it's a two-door high-performance coupe that costs around 40 grand and whacks out a cheerfully huge amount of horsepower in return. More than either of them, to be honest, and by a big enough margin to give it the edge in our judgment. Unless you really need the looks of the Porsche or the detailing of the Audi. This has looks too in its own way, though it's a bit brutal with it. But then it's a bit brutal with it. And if you put the keys to all three of them on a table in front of us, it's really no contest. We have to drive away in this and just drive and drive and drive. Logan is to golf as Sandero is to polo, and now you can see we're looking at the very thing that all car makers need and not just that jack. A stepway version of Logan was inevitable, of course, especially when you think that the SUV version of Sandero accounts for well over half its total sales. That's a remarkable perspective on current market trends when you remember that the Sandero Stepway has little more than raised ride height and a bit of plastic to distinguish it from the regular Sandero estate car. Fair enough, this is the no-frills end of the market, but even so, the Stepway gets precious little extra So it's a very clear illustration that the SUV look is the thing to have, rather than an SUV, and that applies to even the most budget-conscious buyer. As we know, these cars were designed to be sold worldwide in markets that really needed the modern-day equivalent of the Model T a functional workhorse rather than a fashion statement. And we should therefore bear in mind that for a lot of people in different markets, that ride height increase will be welcomed for all manner of highly practical reasons. But these cars are also on sale in Western markets and the advertising constantly reminds us that The mathematics are the sole proposition on offer, which is refreshingly candid, of course. And for people anywhere in Europe who only buy a car because they have to, let's say they disapprove of personal motoring but public transport doesn't answer their needs, this is a far better solution than anything electric, both practically and financially. We doubt Renault really envisaged just how successful this alliance was going to be when they set it up at the turn of the millennium, but neither did anybody else. Not quite Skoda's fairy tale yet, but it's getting there. And what kind of a car is this, named after an orchid and made in Singapore? Geneva was packed with low volume, high price specials, and we'll run a few of them past you next week and see if any of them float your boat some are practical some are just pretty and there are others too meanwhile back at the ranch now that the donald has put unbelievers in charge of the epa and hinted that upcoming cave rules could be softened all america can rejoice and buy lots of really big trucks In Europe we'll carry on buying SUVs that are altogether smaller and more polite and this one will feature a petrol hybrid power plant and a raft of high-tech stuff that reflects the upmarket status Citroen is looking for.